Petrescu. And Dubry! Michael Dubry gives Chelsea the lead. A young man who's really enjoying life at the moment, and why not? He's been the find of Chelsea's season. Hello Chelsea supporters, here at the Blue Day podcast, it is my privilege to welcome our guest today. He made 115 appearances for the club and during his time with Chelsea, he won the League Cup, the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup and the UEFA Super Cup, all in 1998. Plus he played alongside the likes of Steve Clark, Robbie Di Matteo and Gianfranco Zola. Here is Michael Dubry. Michael, welcome to the show. How are we? I'm good. I'm very good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, finally got it together. So thank you for having me. Thanks for your patience. They say patience is a virtue. So no, this this is definitely well worth the wait. So it's great to have you on. I want to start the, the interview as I have done with me previous interviews, if I can, Michael. Take us back to the moment right from the very start when you decided that you wanted to become a professional footballer. What moment was it that triggered that for you? Um, I listen, um, and I've said the story many times. Like, um, I got into football because my mum said this kid running around the house had too much energy. So about eight or nine, went to my local team, Enfield Rangers, and it was just go and play there. I wasn't the the kid that had the aspiration of being a footballer, Caribbean uh, mum and dad. My dad was into his cricket when West Indies were conquering everyone um, and into his uh, betting his horses and his, his dogs. So um, I'm sure if I'd played for cricket for West Indies, it would have been a bit more pleasure at the time. So it was just a case of getting into football. I wasn't at the beginning the most technical one. I was just there. Everyone had, you know, at that time, everyone was a young kid at Spurs and doing this. And I was just this big, tall, gangly, fast and strong kid. Even starting off in goal, then was a striker, had the pace, you know, kick it long and I chased after it. Um, had the the one in 15 ratio of scoring, 15 chances, got that one goal, I suppose. Um, but then I kept going, kept going, grew into it. And my my mindset was always the next goal. So under 10s, it was, you know, to to improve and get better. And then whenever one was um, getting into the county, I want to be in a county. So I improved to get in the county, get in the districts. Everyone was at a club to to get signed. And, and luckily, uh, I think 12, um, I come to Chelsea as a schoolboy. So it was like, get my schoolboy forms. It was like, to get the next forms. Um, so I've got my 15 to 16 schoolboy forms. Next one was to get my YTS so that was the aim. So then I got my YTS. Next one was to get my pro. And luckily at Chelsea, after a year of YTS, I signed professional forms, uh, um, just turned 17. And so it wasn't like I was 9, 10 and went to bed with a football under my arms. It was just got into it, had this determination as a kid, wanted to improve, loved it, wanted to get better, wanted to be the best, wanted to, and then it just grew and always took the next stage and the next stage and the next stage and the next stage. Who were your idols growing up as a kid? Football ones. Um, 
yeah, so I'd say started off Glenn Hoddle because mm. um, I just liked Glenn Hoddle. He was like the, the David Beckham, the, the iconic like figure, looked cool, um, the tassels out of his socks. I'm North London, so there's a lot of spurs around me. Um, John Barnes, um, black player, a lot of black families. It was John Barnes, John Barnes. Um, uh, and then, like, when I started playing more, one of the ones it might surprise a lot of people was Des Walker because he reminded me of myself. Pacey, um, I, listen, he doesn't get enough credit. Um, Des Walker as a player gets forgotten about, but one time was, I'd say, I'll be the best central defender in the world. Um, and then, you know, that, that was the sort of players I liked. As a, as a professional, there was other players that I, I looked on and, and liked. Maldini, like, as a, you know, looked on. But young age, Glenn Hoddle was one of the, the first ones. And, say, John Barnes and Des Walker, those were the ones that stood out um, early on. Now, as you said before, you came through the youth ranks at Chelsea. What was that like for you, sort of, coming into the side and sort of having time spent with the academy? Because obviously Chelsea's youth was not what it is now, is it? Uh, it, it wasn't as far in terms of winning, but as terms of production line, it's always been great. Like, um, it's so one of the attractions uh, as a young player was you saw the youth team players getting the first team. Um, so, you know, you, 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 when I was coming in, um, Jason Cundy, David Lee, uh, Bobby Stewart, Damian Matthew, um, they're all first team. Gareth Hall, they're all in the first team. And in closer, Frank Sinclair, Eddie Newton, they're all in. The, so all these uh, players that were once uh, schoolboys to YTS, so there was this visible path that you saw that you, you couldn't actually get in the first team. And yes, it was a, a stage where it wasn't the world European superior Chelsea that we see now but at the same time for a, a kid you're going into is Chelsea and you know you can get in the first team so coming through the school boys going into Harlington Heathrow and seeing the 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 Graham Stewart the Jason Cundy these young players but now with the first team seeing Frank Sinclair just new pros Andy Myers, like just a few years older, so it was all like touchable. It was all like I could be part of it. So it it was like it was possible. It wasn't like this. I suppose now, as as great it is that you win the FA Youth Cup for the, some of the players now, but it seems so far away. It wasn't even, it's not even touchable for those kids, mm -hmm. those young players. But now, when when I was coming through, it was part of actually, you know, we could I could be part of this. Fast forward to May of 94, when you would make your debut for Chelsea. It was against Coventry City. When did you know that you was going to be in the team? And sort of how did how did you get yourself prepared mentally for that sort of moment in your young career? Um, I think it was the, the day before. Glenn Hoddle said, you're involved and you're playing. So, oh, better tell my mum, my uh, brother. Um, they come along and it was like alright and Glenn Huddle just a few words um, can't remember what words but um, just give me some words of encouragement and to be fair we go on this Glenn Huddle was um, very hard and disciplined on me like and, and, and that I for, forever 
like and indebted for him because he kept so much like the humility and the humbleness about me like throughout the thing. So that was that throughout the coming to the game, Stanford Bridge. Was I nervous? Not really. Um I've always faith in my ability. Um I always tell the story that when I walked into Chelsea and YTS at 16, 17, I believed I was the best defender in the club. Even though I was young, I, I believed I was fast, I was strong, I could handle anyone, I can get there. Even though there's Paul Elliott, Erlen Jonsson, Hemon Cow, I still believed I was the best defender in the club. And I kept that belief throughout my time in the club. Um, whether it's way off, true at some stage or, or whatever, that's my belief. So going into the first game at Coventry, I had no fear. Um, and most young players have no fear. Um, and starting the game, I remember starting the game and it was the the end where you have the clock at the Matthew Harding stand, didn't they? So have a, a, a stand, a, a clock that, that end. And um, I remember playing the game and whether it's um, adrenaline going, whatever it was, I mean, it was Peter Onlove playing. I was chasing him, chasing him about. And I thought, oh my God, like, I can feel like a little cramp in my calf. Like, cramps, aren't you? Like, look, how long gone? Like six minutes gone, I'm thinking, how's that? Like, but obviously adrenaline got through the game. But I just remember chasing. He was tricky. He was running around. Um, dealt with it. Thought, oh my god, wow, brilliant! Like I played. Remember, every kid's like to play in the Chelsea first team. I always remember I was going to a youth team game, and Andy Myers made his debut. I think it was at Tottenham, and I think he might have even scored or been involved in the goal. We was going youth team. Like for us, it's like one of our youth team players in the in the first team. So to get there was like brilliant um and yeah so to play my first game um it was just like wow I played in like Chelsea I played a first team game like I played the first even now saying I played a professional first team game for Chelsea so it was a massive thing what was Glenn Hoddle like as a coach overall very good like um for me uh I you know I don't know about what people think but I think that, that the Chelsea you see now in them foundation bricks, his name is etched in there as as to part of... Listen, Chelsea's got massive history in a club, but part of what you see now, he's etched in the foundations of it. Um, for me personally, um, when I... I call it my second debut, because after the first one, I went on loan and it took a bit of time and I come back and then I played again at Ellen Road. And then... That was the like sort of like the rebirth and how I come uh once in Michael Mike Richard burst on the scene, but that's how I, <laughs> I, I come through. Um and so for me, he was always um making sure I kept my feet on the ground. He told me, You ain't talking to any press. Like so after games, any game, I couldn't do interviews. Um he'd speak for me, which I I'm like, oh my god, like they're gonna think I'm this arrogant kid, but as they come out the old Stanford Bridge Tunnel. I walked through and, and didn't do interviews, didn't do nothing. Um, he made sure I did extra training. Um, I scored a goal at Old Trafford um, in a 2-1 victory. And I thought, oh, I'll go and happy on the phone, phoning it. My mum's birthday, my mum. One of them, um, uh, Martin Terry Burns said, the, the gaffer wants you in the change room. Got off the bus thinking, yes, gaffer, what are you doing? Carry the skips. So I'm carrying the skips out. There's Peter Schmeichel and all the, the, the Ryan gigs and I'm walking past holding skips. So most games after when I was playing, it was when everyone got on the bus, even though I was playing, I was holding skips. Um, so it was, it was very like grounded and, you know, just, but it, it, it's the best thing ever. 
It's why am I um, always thinking, why am I going to be this superstar when Gianfranco's there, Gianluca Vialli's there? Do you know what I mean? There's no reason for this kid from North London to be anything but humble and and and, and grounded. You mentioned just there about the loan spell you had at Bournemouth. Was that a case of your decision that you was looking to seek first-team football or was it the club's decision that they felt a move for you would yeah. be more beneficial in the long term? Yeah, it, it wasn't even that bit. I wasn't like, I need to... I made my debut and that was because they had the FA Cup and he just needed to rest some players and it, that mm. was the option. Mm. So that was that. Um, and it wasn't like, oh, why am I not playing again? It was like, I made my debut... Um, it was come near the end of the season anyway. Um, and then I went on loan to Bournemouth and it was like, go and play some football. And to be honest with you, um, I love Bournemouth. Uh, I remember um, Mel Machen, the manager, I wanted to stay at Bournemouth because all of a sudden now, instead of being this small part of this big club like Chelsea and didn't really feel part of it, I'm at Bournemouth. Like They, they love me there. I'm doing well. The manager loves me. I, now I feel like, I now know how... A Dennis Wise or a, a Steve Clark might feel like how you feel loved and being part of the first team. I wanted to stay. Um, and then they recalled me early. And I thought, like, I don't want to like go back. I didn't want to go back because I didn't want to go back to the same feeling of like just just being in reserves and seeing the first team over there. I love playing in front of, it wasn't a big crowd, a crowd and games meaning more. Um, but um, I got called back and yeah, it was, so it was a uh, Glenn Hoddle's vision, and the loans were a little bit different than than it is now. People go on loan and don't play. It was like you go on loan to play and learn your craft, mm. and then come back. Now you go on loan to ease the burden of maybe the the numbers and go out and what yeah. you do with your loan eases down to you. You have to play. There's no guarantee of plan. So it's a little bit different, but it wasn't a big thing of Gaffer. Why not playing? I, I never spoke to Glenn Hoddle like that. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't like that at all. Um, it was like, I was like, if I speak to Gaff- Gaffer, um, he just had me, like, he's like, I think one of the first and last Gaffers I was ever really scared of. I was a young lad and I come from, remember as well, it's Glenn Oddle, it's my, as a kid. Yeah. And even when he signed, I was like, I remember I was, I was it was after my first, I was done a first year YTS, I signed pro. And then in the summer, um, and that, that, that time, I remember Dave Webb was the uh, manager and he said to me, come on, you're with the first team. You're going to Southampton. You're going to, you're going to go with the first team. I was like, oh my God, wow. I went on to, uh, you know, goes, you can do a warm up with the first team. So I was like, brilliant, like buzzing, like, oh my God. So I remember Andy Townsend was the captain. And well done, dude. He was like, brilliant. Oi, listen, he's done really well. He's going to lead us out. So the old, then you like, you go down the steps Lead us out, be proud of it. Oh, it's ready, ready. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm leading the team out. Like, I'm going, why to lead the team out? He says, yes, everyone ready? So he goes, let's go, dude, let's get them going. So I'm running out, running out. And as I run out the, the, the old den, they're all standing there. So now all of a sudden, there's the Chelsea fans in the far corner are clapping. And they, as I'm getting close again, who's that? They're clapping at me. Like, like, just kidding at Chelsea, sir. So I'm like going... But luckily that they, they come not long behind and they all they sort of all kind of like sitting there going, oh, they all laughing at me. But yeah. And then obviously Glenn Hoddle signed in the summer. Um and I was a bit worried, thinking, like, he's not gonna like me. I'm just this robust defender. 
not skillful like him, can't play and do what he does, he's not going to like me. Like, And then Gramwick's come in and it changed the way we played, the philosophy of football, and, you know, it, yeah, it went from there. Fast forward a little bit. You've mentioned when you came back from your loan, it was cut short. But when you came back, you was pretty much in the first team quite quickly. And you was playing week in, week out in around the late 95. And you would feature in some interesting games for Chelsea. You know, we've got a draw against Man United at Old Trafford. We got a draw at Highbury, which our record against Arsenal wasn't great at that point, even back then. We would then have the game against Liverpool at Stamford Bridge where we would draw. I think John Spencer scored a cracking goal that night as well. So for you, in a sense of being the young guy coming into the team and being part of sort of that particular side's run, that must have given you a huge confidence boost. Yeah, I mean, went to Leeds, um, played against Tony Boa, like, did well. Um, yeah. I remember, like... I was like, oh, wow. Like, I remember he was on fire then. And uh, I remember through that run, Glenn Odder would say, done well there, but next week's your test when you play against Teddy Sheringham and Chris Armstrong. So I'm like, okay, play against Spurs. Do do well against them. Well done. But next week's your test when you play against Alan Shearer and Les Ferdinand at Newcastle. So did well there. <laughs> That's good. But next week's your real test when you play against um, Burkamp and Ian Wright. And it kept on. So every minute I'm like going, well, I can't fail next week. Because then, so it kept that bit, being part of it. Um, and, you know, it, it was a, it was a good run for me. And like getting some great reviews, but again, not being able to speak, just focusing on my football. Um, so being part of, of that and the, the Glenn Odell, I think at the time, my legs gave his free at the back vision. And in my the other side, he had these like, these legs there and Dave Lee in the middle that can, can play. So it, it kind of helped him uh, what he wanted to do. But for me, it was just great playing and, and getting a little run of games. And one particular highlight of that season was the cup game against Newcastle. We got the 1-1 draw. Newcastle scored late, I think, for Alan Shearer. We then go to St. James's Park. It was a midweek. Gets to to the penalty shootout. We, we go through... Everybody sort of going, you know, massively sort of joyous. One little question I did have for you: Did you not fancy taking one of those penalties? No, and I and I, and I tell you the story. So <laughs> they're taking penalties, and I'm thinking, I hope don't come to me. And I saw a rude walk off. A rude, you not take one. He said, sometimes you have to to know. So thinking, if rude's not taking one, there's no pressure on me. And I just stood next to rude, and lucky we went through. But he he didn't want to take one. I thought, oh. That's fair enough. Then sometimes it ain't like a bad thing you have to know. Um, yeah, would I have been there and then like take one? It would have been nerve wracking. Like, <laughs> so that would be like, what am I going to do? I'd have had 500 different thoughts in my head, what I'm going to do. But when Rude stood over there and didn't say, I'm not taking one, I'm like, I'm all right with my decision. But it wouldn't be too long before you did score your first Chelsea goal. And I believe it was against Grimsby in the next Grimsby. round after that at Stamford Bridge. Again, that was another replay. Your celebration seemed like you did enjoy that one. Um, I think I, I, I can't remember what my... I think it was the, the arm. I think I was trying to do it. I think the one I was doing, Ian Wright, he'd done the little arms back or messing around it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't didn't score many. Um, should have scored more. But um, yeah, it was it was one. Just scoring and 
remember, like I'm I'm a youth team player playing in the first team. Uh, I just want to make an impact, a positive impact. Um, and yeah, so scoring was like a a good thing. And it continued when we played Wimbledon in the next round at, S- at Selhurst Park. When you went up for the corner, you got the header. I remember Rude sort of yeah, showed on the highlights. Yeah. Rude Hullet was chasing you. You know, started to sort of get a little bit of a momentum going in, in the FA Cup, didn't we, that that particular season? Yeah, I remember scoring. I've still got a picture somewhere, Rude chasing me, like McGann mad and the faces. Like, it seemed that, that, that it was like a bit foggy, the picture was horrible. Yeah. But I just remember the atmosphere like um, was, was brilliant. Not a horrible place to go and play Sellers Park. Horrible place to get to. Anyone knows Sellers Park, you know what I mean? So for us to go through it and win and that, you know, be part of that, that celebration, even the picture just looked murky, like foggy. And, um, but it was a great atmosphere just to, to I think we won 3-1, I think we were 3-1. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think one was the second goal and someone went and spoiled it and scored another. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was a good feeling. One little bit that came out of that, especially from that season, did you like the orange and grey away kit? I didn't mind it. I think I think that it had, it had my, that shirt um, it had a rip in it. I think it might have been Mick Hartford or or someone. I think the, the shirt, one of my orange shirts, got a massive rip in it. It might have been that game. Um, it was it was quite an ugly kit, but it's actually quite iconic now. And it? it's like one of the yes. things that as time goes on, you just remember that iconic orange kit. I think the last time uh, I once wore it at um, QPR Loftus Road. And I went down the line and I went to whip a crossing. It got deflected and we, I think we got a goal off it. I think we ended up winning. And I remember, I think, going in the interview room, uh, doing an interview, um, I think with Paul Furlong. And I think I must have used every football cliche in the book. Young interview, do you know what I mean? He's used everything. Yeah, the gaffer said, you know, half time. I think I used every football cliche in my interview <laughs> in, a, in a span of two minutes. And it was a, the round after that, we would play Man United at Villa Park in the semi-final. We'd go a goal up through Rude Hullet. United came back. It was one of those games where it was probably a game too far for that particular group of players, We you know, working un, under Glenn. But it was we certainly gave Man United, who were at the time looking to try and win the title again, we certainly gave them a game that day, didn't we? Yeah, but I think in that game, I think both our wing-backs got injured. Um, So, like, we was in the game, but then uh, two integral parts of, you know, not only one wing-back, but both, it changes things. Um, Yeah, it it just changes the dynamic. And they obviously, you see it now, or you know, with Chelsea, that you can get over the line. You just know how to get over the line. And I think that Man United just knew how to get over the line. And you can be in there with them. They just know how to get over the line, whatever it is. And the the inexperience, not as individuals, we had some great individuals, but as a team of just being able to get over the line was was quite obvious. But yeah, we did have um, our both our wing-backs. Philo, Terry Freeland went down with his yeah. hamstring. Uh, and then I think it was Clarky. Did Clarky go down or someone else went down? Much, and it's yeah. like both your wing-backs gone. It's like, well, that's just massive. So it changed. I'm going to fast forward now to the summer of 96 when football nearly came home. Chelsea had a new manager in place. Glenn Hoddle would leave to join up with the England national team and Rude Hullet came in as 
player manager. Do you remember where you was when you heard the news that that was going to happen? What was your initial thoughts at, at the time that there was going to be a quite a significant change at Chelsea Football Club? In uh, the, the news, so if that summer, if so, the the end of the last that season um, before Glenn left, I went to some football awards there and I won um, Match Magazine Young Player of the Year, beating. Ryan Giggs and Robbie Fowler, I think, because they couldn't get down to London, so they thought they'd give it to me anyway. So I remember, so I can always tell the story. I was like, I was like, young player, and from North London, they, they gave me, they got me a limousine, picked me up outside my mum's house, and I'm in a limousine, and in the lim- in, in the limousine is Linda Lusardi. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> I've made it. I'm in a limousine with Linda Lusardi. Those who don't like Linda Lusardi, Google it. Um, and I'm like, oh my, so sitting in there. Um, so we get to the, the awards, win the awards, go to the after party. So I'm there with Eddie Newton and Rude. And we're talking and having like, you know, having a laugh. And Rude starts, you know, like getting into me a bit. Well, you know, you're the typical Indies defender. You're too stiff. You're too stiff. You need to loosen up. And he's grilling me. I'm like, relax, Rude. Remember his teammate, relax, Rude, man. Come on, man. Like, like steady. Like, no, you know, this and that. If I was ever the manager, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. I'm like, well, yeah, all right. But it's, it's more than a night out. So then when when Glenn goes and then we manage Rude, I'm like, going, oh my God, really? Um so he becomes the manager and it's like, okay, like I didn't have any fear because at that stage I'm I'm a big part now of, of the team. Like mm. the good bits in the team, I'm I'm part. I'm like, you know, my legs, my energy, my, my pace is 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 a, a huge part of the team. So I didn't really have like, oh my god, oh my god. But then as as time went on and the manager, like even though I was, I was a huge part and big part, it wasn't as smooth as I wanted it to be um, under Rude. And the season of the 96-97 started to get a little bit of inconsistent to begin with. You know, certain results weren't going our way just a little bit. And then sort of a couple of months later in, sort of into the season, the club was rocked by the death of Matthew Harding. What sort of relationship did you have with Matthew Harding? Did you sort of know him well? Did you have a good sort of good rapport with him? What memories do you have of? Yeah, so Matthew, he was Mr. always be, he would always be in and around the team. But I'm a young lad, so are you doing? You like, hey, dude, you right? Yeah, like, you know the headset. Yeah, you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. But his relationship was more in depth with the senior players, the Wises, the Clarks. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? But with you know, hey, doing Matthew, you're okay. Yeah, you right, dude. Good, well done. And he'd have his bit. So that was my relationship with him. Not like was in depth. You know, I'm 21 and, and like, you know, 20. Like, so it was a little bit of a, how you doing? He was, he was, I knew he was a fan, but I knew also he was a little bit upstairs. So we had that element of respect and we had a little uh, good relationship. But it was always like a friendly one. He was very tactile and like that sort of person. So it was good. Hey, doing you right? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that was it. So when the news come, it was, uh, it was a shock because it's like, oh my God, like, this guy was just in the change room last week. So, oh my God. So it was like, it was a bit of a, a eerie feeling. Um, and I remember the game uh, the, the against Spurs on like, mm. the, we did the silence. And I think I still got somewhere. I got the man of the match. Uh, there was a, like, we got a little uh, tanker. 
Um, so when I look at that, it's it's remember that game and see the pictures and that sort of stuff. It was just an eerie for the first time, like that sort of atmosphere um, uh, was a little bit weird. I remember the only time I've done that, we I played a game for under twenty ones doing the Princess Diana one, but that one was a little bit more closer to home and in the eerie feeling like I still got a switch on. Like so, you're trying to remember I'm young, so I can't relax. I've got to focus, 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 focus. And then to not get drawn into the whole vibe of everything. Mm. So I've got to focus because I'm not that confident I can be here and everywhere. So it's a bit of a weird feeling. You did get some personal revenge against Manchester United at Old Trafford. We'll talk about that game in a little bit more depth now. When you scored the goal past Peter Schmeichel and then you had Viali that scored the... The other goal, which was a you know, great sort of one v one with him, was that at that point probably the, the best away performance we had for such a long time, going against the champions and beating them in in their own backyard. Yeah, I I, I, I never um, felt that there was any fear going at Old Trafford. Like it was just like it was wasn't like oh my god, Man United. It was it was just like Gan Old Trafford. It was like, you know, it was the, the atmosphere and the vibe was always good for us. Um, and then just in the game, I remember that game, I had a few tussles with Eric Cantona. I think I got booked. There was one little in the corner. And I think like, you know, again, I was like, I didn't care about reputations and part of me was like, Paul, like, do you know what I mean, what? It's a football, it's a football pitch anyway. Like what's going to happen? Like, and you know, all that aura, it didn't phase me. Do you know what I mean? Even when we played in the, the semi-final, didn't phase me at all. I, I wanted that. Um, but yeah, when I scored, it's like, oh my god, wow! Um, and I remember that that celebration being on a, a Sky poster, Robbie in front of me, um, and again, you know, Luca taking my shine and scoring again. So it wasn't, a, but yeah, I think like listen, it was a great team performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like, yeah, it was just a, a great team performance, and be to be special to be part of. And you know, for me, the other day, some mentioned like you know my name would be forever etched and connected with Luca in that one game. Do you know what I mean? And, you yeah. know, it's, it's like a nice thing for me, like just to have, you know, that thing forever etched in history and associated with uh, Gianluca Vialli uh, and Chelsea together in that one thing. There was some bad news for you that particular season. You did pick up a quite a serious Achilles tendon injury that would mean that you was ruled out for the rest of the season. This must have been a bad setback for you, knowing that the the last sort of eighteen months you was having sort of a nice steady progression up through the ranks. Yeah, it, it was it was like devastating. I remember like because you know in the build up there was all this talk of oh the next big thing and my name alongside Sol Campbell and all these other like who's going to be the next big one to come through. Um, my progression was going well. Um, the club was on the rise. You see how the club was building and growing and slowly getting momentum. And one day in training, I was doing training and I was running. And I, I just felt, oh, kick me, like turn around. Like, because like, you hear this and there's no one around me. And my Achilles, Banks, he might, Banks run out, done the old squeezy carb test, like stretched in uh, and was operated in that day. And I was worried because I think like a season or two seasons before, Neil Webb had to retire for a kiddie's tendon injury. Um, I'm like, oh my God. So I remember sitting in the, the, the hospital like, 
oh my god what am I going to do like 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 this is it like and like, honestly not even exaggerating for purpose of a story like I'm thinking like this is it like my career's done mm. um but obviously medical and science had, had advanced and they got me done and the rehab was um was pretty I've never I've never been injured before if you've never been injured before and you and you're you got to come back to play at some sort of elite level and do it differently. It's, it's difficult, difficult watching um, the team have success and moving on rapid, fast, not even like, you know, just there, just there and dwelling along. It's moving fast and players are, um, I remember going to the injured and going to the FA Cup um, and watching. And I remember my mindset was like, like we won it, the FA Cup's there. Um, and I'm saying I'm not holding that trophy until I win it. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna when I win it myself. I'm gonna hold it. Um, didn't get to hold it to be fair, so I should have grabbed it when I had the chance. <laughs> but, um, but yes, part of it, like just being part of. I still felt part of the team. I was part of it because I'm saying yeah, I'm confident in myself getting back. But it's still a little bit of like you know the first one that that first one in ages and that you know when you see like Scotty Mint and Robbie and that running down the with a celebrating and all that sort of stuff. You you know like that first one that. That that gave everyone that that taste we want more, um, but yeah, it was it was it was hard mentally because I've never been injured before, and to see the giant steps and it's different. You're injured, but now you've got to catch up even more to where the club's going and at the pace the club's going. Mm. That was a, a difficult thing. Just on a side note, when you talk about the FA Cup final of '97, which cup final song was better, '94 or '97? Oh, what, um, the one with um, Suggs? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, yeah, the one with Suggs. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah our one was better. What was that day like? Because um, we had Eddie Newton on the show a couple of years ago and he said it was one of the most sort of harrowing days. He did not want to be right at the front, sort of knowing that he was singing. He just wanted to be right at the back, not sort of yeah, being I, seen I, or I heard. Think, yeah, I think... FA Cup songs got this connotation of embarrassment, haven't they? Like they got association of like embarrassment. And I remember we were in his studio, I think it was in Shepherd's Bush and that turning out me seeing oh, Suggs from Madness. Oh wow. And you know, everyone there. And then um to be fair, they had the faces at the front. We were just there singing. I think I'd been out the night before with Jody. Um <laughs> I think or something like that. And so like just just there, yeah, just half lot hungover, but just like just, just being part of it. So to be part of an FA Cup song, all them things are iconic growing up, isn't it? Like to be part of an FA Cup song. Um and it, listen, it, I think it's one of the, the good ones. There's been some terrible ones. That was uh quite decent. From a fan's perspective, I was a bit disappointed when they stopped playing it at, at Chelsea before matches. But yeah, yeah, yeah that that's just just me. In in terms of your progression, though, and the, you know the next season was definitely one to save up. You'd play, you'd make your European debut for Chelsea in the ninety seven ninety eight Cup Winners Cup against Slovin Bratislava. What was that like for, as an experience for you playing in Europe for Chelsea? I'd say um, one of my best experiences of football um, are have been European nights at Stamford Bridge. There's like, it's, it's just a, it's just a different feel. Like um, it's a different feel from a, a league game in midweek. It's just a different feeling altogether. Like it's, it's yeah. 
Um, and only what could imagine uh, uh, playing the Champions League game in at Stamford Bridge midweek, like because the European nights were like special. So for me to be part now playing European football for the club I've come through was like I remember like, this is always this is always part of in my head. Like I've come through the rank, I'm a homegrown. And to be fair, um, I've always said that um, I've got a lot more love because I was a homegrown. Um, I got a lot more, um, say, freedom, but a lot more like, well, he's one of, he's, he's homegrown. So I always understood that my relationship with the fans was like, he's come through the ranks. So we've got the superstar, but he's, he's not say one of our own, but he's one of our, he come through the ranks. So I appreciate that. It was in my mind as a, as a player and I knew that I had that special relationship with the fans that always had homegrowns in the team. They've always had that affiliation of this is this is our club, but this is a product of our club. Do you know what I mean? Is is that so I knew that I had that. So it was it was always special to come through and another landmark tick for me that debut, yet scored a goal, yet now European football, um, which is a big thing anyway. So yeah, for my club. And one particular moment of that sort of early part of the season sort of going into Christmas was the 6-1 freshing against Tottenham at White Hart Lane that people still talk about to this day. One of the top performance from, from Chelsea. Um, and it was sort of then that things started to sort of progress quite nicely in Europe and also in the league. I think we was going up against Arsenal as well, sort of in the league where we was having a nice little unbeaten run. Yeah, And then sort of the wheel started to come off a little bit in terms of Rude Hullet gone. And Viali, swift, straight in. What was your sort of reaction to that at, at, at the time? Because there did seem to be a lot of shock, a lot of sort of confusion around, you know, why did Rude Hullet leave and why sort of Viali straight thrown into the lion's den, so to speak? Um, from from my point of view, like, um, it was uh, the, the Rude relationship was pretty, listen, as a player, Wow, I'm playing with Rude Hullet. Unbelievable. Um as a manager, it was it was pretty strained um at times. Like I liked him and didn't like like I thought like, oh my god, iconic this guy. But then it was just a little bit like I didn't like there's elements of his management style I didn't understand. I wasn't used to, you know, you used to you speak to a manager would explain his decisions. He didn't feel we had to, which which was quite frustrating, especially as a young player, because I want to improve. Why am I playing? Tell me. Then I can go and work on it. And some say didn't feel had to. So when Luca got the job, when Rude went and Luca got the job, it was like, cool. Like, right. do you know what I mean? Like, Luca was a, 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 a quick story to give you some context. So Rude would make all the young players, the young English players, go out before we started training doing this. You've got to do this skill circuit. You've got to like, like your touch circuit. So we have to go out. Um, say training started at half 10 we'd have to go at 10 and do this skill circuit he'd done for us like you had to do all these little bits and pieces before training started and fair enough you're in the first team but all your peers were in the dress room like in the warm sometimes looking and giggling and laughing right so you're going out doing it but after two of them like going out there hey hey, this your name was on the list you gotta go out and do it um, and it, it didn't, it, it, it seemed like a punishment 
if it was if it was framed in a different way, but it seemed like a punishment. But then about the third time of doing it, guys back going out, oh Jan Frank would go, hey, come on, come on, come on. Luca, come on, come on. So they'd come out and do it with us. Now it didn't feel like they'd they'd have there's enthusiasm, they brought a bit of fun to it. So if it was punished, whatever it is seen, they put it in a different way. And that's why honestly, uh Gianfranco, love him. Can't speak Anyone talks about the best player I've played with, Gianfranco. The best person you've been around as a footballer, Gianfranco. Like Luca, not far from that. Like the way they 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 framed it, they they could see what was going on, and now it's all sudden now. And what happened was, after a while, the the players are in the dressing room. They come out. They were doing it because now at this, do you know what I mean? And it flows. So there's a little bit, bit but. As a manager, if Rude would have framed it differently, it would have been, ah, oh, not a problem. So the little bits, but that's why when Luca took over, like from the very start, love Luca, brilliant. So when he took over, it's like, okay, cool. I just got to play well and hopefully he likes me because I think I'm still the best player at defending the club. And, and, and that was that. With Viali at the helm, we progress in into the latter stages of the Cup Winners' Cup. We beat Real Betis. I remember there was a sort of a, a great performance away there when Flo scored a couple. And then we go up against a Middlesbrough in the Coca-Cola Cup. In terms of um, Europe, though, after beating Betis, because that was on the Thursday night and we had the Cup Final on the Sunday, was there talk amongst the boys in, in the dressing room about you know how well we could be potentially do in Europe this season? No, no. There's an air of confidence and belief, um, but there wasn't like this, this whisper, this kind of like chat. Whether if the senior players um, would have spoke between themselves when they're sitting there over their pasta and their red wine, um, us young players, when we're sitting here over a Donny kebab and a can of Coke, we're going, oh, it's doing well with me. So it wasn't, it wasn't that, that, that conversation to be fair. I want to talk about the League Cup final now at Wembley. You 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 played a huge part in it. What an occasion for yourself and for your, your family. When did you know you was going to be involved in the in the starting eleven? And what was the sort of the build up? What was the what was the day like for you before the match? Um, I can't remember when the team was announced, but I I, I had a feeling. I thought I I, I would play. Up, I mean, I had a feeling I'd play. Um, I remember at the time I was um, sponsored by Nike and they had Mercurials just come out and they were sending me some boots to wear in the cup final. Like, um, and so we got to Wembley. Remember again, North London boy, drove past Wembley, plenty of time to go into Ikea with my mum and, and all that sort of stuff. And now I'm playing at Wembley, like the iconic Wembley. Many times sat and watched FA Cups here, cup finals. Um, I actually the, the, I played at Wembley before when we played in the... We played Luton in the semi-final and they had the youth team playing in a game before, on the pitch before we played the semi-final. So I'd, I'd played on the pitch before. Um, so I was like, yes, we're playing at Wembley. So I wasn't, again, I wasn't nervous. wasn't because of the cup final. I was confident and I've always had that approach. During the game and like many, many of my, my thing was, again, because there's so many huge players in my team, I always wanted to to show my worth my value in this team, like all these world stars, internationals. So my thing was, make sure I'm not the weakest link. 
make sure I don't let this team down and make sure no one can say it's because of him. Do you know what I mean? So my thing was, just do what you got to do, play a game, be that defender, give the team what they, they need, and that's what you do. Um, and that was my my approach in every game and, and the cup finals, and, and that was my approach to that one. And and to be fair, like I, I, when I speak to people, my best ever football stat is I played three cup finals and had three clean sheets. Yeah. So. Not bad. No, it's all right, isn't it? Some more defender. Absolutely not. And yeah. we'll talk. You mentioned on one of those cup finals was against Stuttgart in the Cup Winners' Cup final. Yeah. Bit of a scrappy occasion. It was quite tense, quite a little bit nervous. Not not one team wanted to make the mistake, but then Zola comes on, and he don't take him long to make an impact. He gets the ball, smashes it, top right hand corner. Euphoria in the stands, people were going crazy, the players were going crazy. Take us back to that moment for you. As you said, only a couple of months later, we the club would win the Coca-Cola Cup and then we end up winning the Cup Winners' Cup, which for Chelsea, again, this wasn't a Chelsea that were in that was in Europe every single season at, at this point. Yeah, yeah so for, for me, again, like, I, I go into the Cup final... Um, with Bell's palsy and those who don't know what Bell's palsy is it's a mini stroke so one side of my face is paralysed and I can't speak I had it um, about it a week or two weeks before this cup final and that's why before I wasn't playing um, but like I had to talk I had to hold my mouth up like this so um, it was like I, I didn't know if I was going to play um, I'd said that I'll train everything but like I think Lauren Chabot Charve was playing uh, before and I didn't know where I was going to play. Played, so I'm thinking, don't let the team down again. Do you got to do, make sure not the weakest link, make sure that they don't, it's not on you. Um, playing, it's just like defending, wasn't the, the the best game, but I'm just like making sure I'm just doing my defending, might be a bit scrappy, whatever it is. And I'm just trying to focus on, every time I need to talk to someone, but like I have to hold my mouth. So I'm trying to check, I'm like, like that sort of stuff. Um, and again, where it's close, it's close. Every chance you're thinking, oh, it's like nerve-wracking. You just don't want to be the one to let down in a cup final, which means that everyone will forever remember it. Um, when Gianfranco scored the goal, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, in, you know, that like inside, yes! Concentrate, Michael. Concentrate, Michael. Yes! Do you know what I mean? And then um, just like, then you started to, in your head, clock, count the clock down. You don't go, wait, how long? I couldn't even speak anyway. But I'd always remember the the last minute when I was say I see Danny Granville the other day, I was with him the other day at the Chelsea lunch, and I was saying, You should have went on and scored. Like he went he had a little break near the end when he should have went on and scored. Um but yeah, it was just when the final whistle went, um, for me it was just like, Oh my god. Like I didn't realise at the time, but to win a European trophy is massive, like like at the time you at the time you're young and you know I explained it before that by the time I'm 21 22 I've won three trophies at Chelsea you just think you're going to do it all the time and I heard I saw a documentary John Macro and he won his last major at 24 and never won anything since and then right. I'm 22 and I'm thinking this is going to be my cup finals trophies is going to be my career and so you don't actually 
appreciate it. We played, we played, I think it was, um, it might have been Rel Betis, it was in the semi-final or something, and um, Sparky had a camera, obviously no phone, he had a camera taking pictures of it. I go, Sparky, what are you doing, man? Like, he's like, and remember, this is Sparky. I'm like, goes, listen, you've got to appreciate these moments. His, his mind thinking, near the end, you've got to appreciate when you get into mm-hmm. cup finals, they're not easy to come by. I'm thinking, what? I'm in a semi-final. So we don't appreciate <laughs> what it was. The, the celebrations, yes, brilliant. But then, you know, you don't really appreciate for what it is. You know, if, if I'm if I'm a 28 or 30 year old in that cup final, I'm soaking up, I'm standing on the pitch, I'm looking out for yes, you do it, you know, we're doing the running to the crowd, you know, the famous way and doing all that. But you're soaking up, you just stand on here at 21, you're like, what? You're just in it, going around, look at the medal way, and just doing it with the with the, with the your fellow um youth team players. It was a big, big summer as well for Chelsea. It wasn't just that. We had the World Cup as well in France of 98. After that, the club ends ends up bringing in Marcel Desailly, which <laughs> unbelievable signing for Chelsea, obviously, at, at the time. And it, and it still is to this point. Was you excited that he was coming in? Because obviously with him being a centre-back as well, was that sort of provide like a healthy competition? But did you see it as also somebody you can learn from because the amount of experience that he has as well? Yeah, I was excited. Um, obviously, you're thinking at the same time, he just played the World Cup with Frank and thinking, oh, the, the, the partnership's already made there. But I was confident I can break that. Like, like, right. And I always said, like, part of my... Um, my my mindset was I'm the best defender. Marcel, cool, that's all right. Like, I'll show him. And that's the mentality I had. I, I'll show him. Um, and obviously, <clears throat> it, um, it started off Marcel and Frank and, it, it, you know, main part of it was there. But I was like, I just want a chance. And I just want a chance. And that's always been my, my thing. I can play with Marcel. No problem. Do you know what I mean? The, the rock and the brick wall, whatever they want to... They label it like I can play with him, um, and just didn't get enough chances to play with him. And and a lot of my thing was I always say I, I, I didn't spoke to someone didn't really the other day. And my my thing was that there was times when Frank wasn't playing well, and I just want like get me in then. And then he was given a long chance to re, regain form, and I just wanted the chance to to let me play then. Do you know what I mean? Because I you know. Frank's quality, bit underrated at the time. Like, if you look now, what he could do with a football was like, wow, do you know what I mean? So, had that. But sometimes there was other bits that, like, come on now, get me in. Like, me and me and Marcel there, no one's getting past us. So, that was my mentality, wanting to, to get in. But when he signed, it wasn't like, oh, no. Do you know what I mean? So, it was just like, okay, well, now I have to, I have to go again and, and, and show. And I just wanted, hoping that Luca would, you know, give give me a chance if any of them slipped up to go and have a run. And at the end of the summer of 1998, we would end up winning another trophy and not a small mean feat as well, beating the mighty Real Madrid in the UEFA Super Cup with Gus Poyet scoring the goal to seal the, the trophy for Chelsea. Did it sort of start bringing like that winning mentality to the group because you did have players that had experience of winning trophies at that stage, but also you had the, like, as you said, the, the young guys coming through having that experience. 
did you sort of see beating Real Madrid as say like a stepping stone to potentially trying to win the league maybe this that season or the season after? Um, I remember, so I'll, I'll tell you this story because it's a Lucas story. So part of the, we get the Super Cup against Real Madrid and actually he, want, he wanted Juventus, but they beat him. And I remember <laughs> it was at Monaco, we train in and we're doing it, obviously the train before and everyone's going off and said, Dubs, can I see you? I'm like, oh, he's just going to tell me that Marcel and Frank are playing because like Marcel just arrived. I was saying, yes, Luca. He went, hey, smile at me. Come on. He's like, oh, I'm around me. He said, listen, for what you've done last year, getting us here, you're going to start. I'm going to play Marcel in midfield, okay? So you're going to start. You're going to play this game because you're one of the reasons why we're here. And I was like, wow. And I'm forever indebted to that. I remember I saw him years later. I was in Nobu restaurant and I saw what Luke in for years. Hey, oh, you know what? I owe you. Remember that? And he's like, he's like, all right, dude, all right, calm down. Do you know what I mean? But forever indebted. And that for me is like a huge thing because... I could I could be sitting there saying I've won the Super Cup and not played, but I played my part, and that was him giving the opportunity. So when we won that, obviously the signings, the the, the players, the squad. I think Michael Laudrup was there then, wasn't he? Like uh, was it Michael yeah. Brian? Michael, yeah, Michael Laudrup. Brian so, Laudrup, yeah. Yeah, Brian yeah. Laudrup, yeah, yeah, Brian Laudrup, yeah. So it was like we've got a squad. We couldn't like compete like all these internationals, and it wasn't that we just had these players? We were gelling. We had this. We can play together. It wasn't just these names that just... So it was like, yeah, it was like a, a, a thing where there was confidence, there was a, an aura. Half these players knew how to win. Half these players, nearly all of them knew how to win. They knew what to do. So it was like a huge thing. So it was, it was good momentum going into it. But then I think it was like, was it, you know, the the when the Marcel and, and Frank played... Coventry, we lost the start of the season. It wasn't a great start, so. Um, but we got we got going, and it was just a case of we can compete. And I think that's when you started seeing glimpses more more on the highs than the, the dips. That like they're, they're, we're onto some things, and people started to really fear what was going on at Stamford Bridge. And one sort of game that you could sort of say everything started to fall into place a little bit was beating Arsenal 5-0 at Highbury in the League Cup when that was sort of something that you didn't really see much of, like Arsenal losing by that scoreline at Highbury, especially with Chelsea having, okay, they made some changes, but they still had a decent enough squad that just destroyed Arsenal that night. But also sort of coming through that period of Chelsea in 98 was a young John Terry, came on against, I believe it was Aston Villa yeah, in the League Cup as well. What did you make of a young John Terry coming through? Did you sort of concede little glimpses of what he could produce long-term? What did you sort of see for his young future? Um, no, I, I think that John Terry becoming who he become was grafting every day and growing every day. So what you saw was a determined kid, good defender that never wore a a top in training, just T-shirts, but was like good, confident um, and a good defender. Um, And that's what you saw and that's what you showed. And then, but he, he grew. And I think that the, the times, the the early times when he was around the senior players like Marcel and he, 
he's a student, started to learn, started to pick up, started to develop. Um, then with the added confidence, then with the added belief and all of that started coming together. He is a product of his uh, mindset. His ability was there, but he put everything. He's a student. He's, all them things come together and started growing and growing and growing and growing until he become what he become. And then he grew again and grew again and, and, and had a level of consistency at that level um, is um, unbelievable. And, you know, you would never know that he wasn't um, pacey because his positioning, he never made it a thing. Um, only when people try to say it, but you wouldn't know. Yeah, he, he, on the ball, he was as, I think he, if someone looks at stats, his long passes were as good as a Frank Buff, left and right, right foot. Um, so you wouldn't know that. Defending wise was as strong as a Marcel. So he was just becoming this, Frankenstein and this cocktail of every good attribute of every defender that he's been around and added to his game. And that's what you saw. And then, you know, every leader he's been around, he was that. Um, so that's what you saw. So uh, when he came to Aston Villa, just saw his kid coming and pointing everywhere. Put your hands down, get in position. Um, but then, yeah, he was just, um, yeah, confident in his own ability we can do, but then he grew. He certainly did, didn't he? He certainly did. He's um fine, fine player. Fast forward a little bit to the end of that particular season of the 98-99 season. And one game that stands out on that in a bit of the wrong reasons was the home game against Leicester, where the club was sort of still all sort of chasing Arsenal Man United a little bit. They weren't exactly there, but mathematically we could still win the league um if obviously results did go our way. We go 2-0 up, Zola scores the lob, which, again, was <laughs> only Zola could do at that point. You come off the bench, I believe there might have been an injury sort of coming on and Viali um, put you on, and then for whatever reason, the, the team just capitulated to the point where we don't win the match. We, the, the game finishes 2-2. I think Steve Guppy scored a curler, yeah. sort of as equaliser. What was your thoughts, sort of after the after that particular game? Because they sort of, sort of Chelsea fans sort of had this sort of like myth that you know something went wrong before the match. You know there was maybe sort of a couple of arguments amongst players during the game that maybe Viali tactically made some mistakes. Do you remember much about that particular game? Because again, people sort of say, well, if Chelsea didn't drop points in that match we could have done something whereby we maybe would have yeah, won second or... Do you yeah, remember much it, about that particular... Yeah, so the game is 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 like a horrible... It's like someone give me a bit of Branson pickle that made me feel sick. So when you mention that game, it's horrible. Um, especially for a defender to come on, like, you're like, you know, all you've got to do is your clean sheet. You're actually on the high and I think that, you know... And then they score, whether I was on or off, it could have happened. But I'll come on to defender to to stop and, and it doesn't. Before the game, <clears throat> I remember I was pissed off because I wasn't playing. Um I think he played who's he played? He played he played Albert Ferrer, I think, ahead or something like I've done something different, or I was like, Well, how am I not playing? Like uh and I remember <clears throat> my my like just being pissed off. 
Um, and it's actually the last game I ever, ever played pissed off. Because um, it, it didn't, just didn't like have that uh, effect. Um, and then coming on, 2 0 up, going into the game, and I think not long into it, they get a goal. I'm like, and it was like some scruffy, stupid like mishap in the box. I can't remember what it was. And you're like, bloody hell. And then, it, then it's like a, a bit of nervousness in, in and around it and in and around it. Um, and you're thinking, just see this game out. And then just near the end, Steve Guppy just bends this ball in. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> flat, a flat Stamford Bridge that's like a flat dressing room. Um, I remember I, I see something the other day, Wise was on Chelsea TV saying he blamed me. I was like, a bit harsh, but if that's his perception, <laughs> that's, his, that's his tail on the thing. But um, but that's what you're going to get if you're a sub coming onto a team that's 2-0 up and you, you're you gone onto a defender to affect it in a positive way and help shore things up. And you you actually don't. And team draws or loses, the finger's going to be pointing at you. Um, so that's that may be the perception. But I just remember, like, beginning, I think I should have played, being a bit peed off, coming on thinking, I'll show you then. And in the end, it, it turned out to be this flat thing that kind of that wasn't different if it happened six games before but because there was an association with that's killed our league title it's like do you know what I mean it's it's it's, it's, it's that sort of thing I think that's that's the worst thing because it's always associated with mm, we could have won a league mm, yeah and what if I think that more the the association of 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 that game that that from going two and up and keeping the hope alive until whatever. It's like, ah, oh, now we can't even win the league now. Whatever would have been, it's like, oh, we could have won the league because of whatever happened. So that was a bit of a, a horrible taste. Of my, I think it's, it, if I'm honest, it's the the one, I've got 100 lovely pages, 115 lovely pages at Chelsea. There's a bit of black ink on one of them. And I think that that is that is it. That, that I look at and thinking... That association, and luckily, luckily for me, it's not an association when you're sitting there going, Super Cup final, you gave that. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a, a, a what if, a what if, um, and it's not really pointing finger at me, but there's that sort of association because you come to sub. But if, for me, it's a little bit of a, it's not me, but like I would love to have affected the game better because I've come on sub before and done this, and yeah, that's that's the one thing about that game. Although we didn't sort of get towards the point where we would be very, very close to Man United or Arsenal, we did achieve Champions League football, which at the time it was huge, huge for Chelsea because we weren't sort of doing that on a regular basis in the early years of the Premiership. Although we achieved that feat, did you still believe that Chelsea's season finished a little bit flat or was there the positive that Chelsea got that particular um, European competition to look forward to this, for, for next season? I think you, you take the positive, but at the same time, you're, it's the what if, isn't it? It's the what if, everyone likes to, you know, we could have done and put this, yeah, but it's the what if. And if it didn't happen and you just, you you see it mathematically, you go to the end and, but it's because of the what if it was, the door was closed shut. It's like when someone locks the last bit of food out of your hand, but you have, you, want, you didn't get that last bit of taste. It's that 
I, I feel cheated. I feel like, yes, you're always going to hang on to that, even though you you got the Champions League. Yeah, but it's that I wanted to to taste more. So I think it's the what if that just just kind of like, yeah, I think that's more. It was the summer of 99. You would leave Chelsea to join Leeds United for a fee, I believe it was around four and a half million pounds. There was rumours from what I was doing with research that you actually submitted a transfer request to wish to leave the club. How did this particular move come about for you to join Leeds United? Oh, I never, I never, I've never handed in a transfer request. Right. Don't know what you do. I've never handed in a transfer request. Um, the move comes because, um, basically, for, for my point of view, is I wanted to play football, and it had been quite easy for me just to be the sub again, the sub again. But I wanted to play football. I, I love playing football, um, and I wanted to play, <clears throat> and I wanted to feel a little bit of love as well. Chelsea's point of view is we've got Michael Dubry, great player for us, but also, if you just mentioned, they've got John Terry. So the 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 he can be less frustrated being a sub role than Dubs can. Do you know what I mean? And they might see more potential in that. Um and, and it's as simple as that. So for me to go and play, I just want to go and play football. Um and I didn't want to just sit there. I wanted a little I wanted to sit there and say, not I've got four league titles and I didn't really play anymore, cup finals didn't play. I wanted to say this is what I did, this is what I achieved, and this is my full potential. Uh, and I'd rather sit happy than that. And it's like it's like it's like your first love. You, you don't you don't fall out, you just say, no, we're gonna go our separate ways. You go that uni, I go that uni. Um and just went our separate ways. But the difference is you turn around and she's turned into Miss World super hot, and I'm going, Oh my god, I should have stayed with her and hung around. No, but um yeah, so it's it. There's, there's me. It was like it wasn't. Uh, it was just like a decision of like, okay, we're actually going separate ways. I need something different than what you do, and I need to go and get it elsewhere. Not a problem. And that's why we can come back and see each other. There's not a little animosity. Didn't like ah oh, the club. It was just, uh, and I think you know having um, JT coming through, um, and it proved to be great for everyone like my career I'm, I'm happy played football what I could do rather than sitting around and just being a bit of furniture at a club that's grand huge I want to touch on a little bit of the modern uh stuff now and one thing that people have it's divided a lot of opinion some people wish it was scrapped so other people still can't stand it and think it might be to do not with the technology but more with the people behind the scenes with it and that's VAR so you know Michael it's obviously a, it's, a, it's, it's a technology that's probably going to be here to stay but what's your take on VAR? Um, I, I, I don't mind the the consistency of the offside line whatever it is right I, you know you get that but even then it's dead when you're watching it, you're thinking that's a crazy angle that it, the angle seems to change. So whatever it is, that seems to be consistent for everyone. But the you know what's getting is it is it you know it used to be so 
you'd phone up your friend in the football stadium to ask him what's happening. Now people in the football stadium will phone up their people at home on TV and ask them what's happening because there's so much delay. What are they doing? And it's kind of the roles reverse, you know, having to hang around for eight minutes, going, what's going on? I don't, I, you know, they said the VAR was so because to was it help the referee or less of the impulsive man decisions, but it's just someone making a, a decision in a room. It's inconsistent because it's a different person. So there's never going to get the consistency. It's taken away from the whole emotion and feel of what football was. And everyone understood, you know, the bad decisions and this and that. But then now you're, you're getting bad decisions with all this technology. I mean, there's some good bits, but I, I, I don't get that they make a referee like, like watch the replay where everyone's seeing what he's watching. They should be like, he should like, like the NFL have a tent and let him watch what he wants to watch and have his his decision. Like there's too much pressure on him watching rewind that and then they're gonna. So I, I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of it. I think it, it takes away some of the emotion. There's some good bits, the offside thing, but even then it's getting silly. Is it elbow? Oh, missed that. But at least if you know it's like this is how it is and it's the same for everyone. And then that that's the consistency everyone wants, regardless of what it is. It's the same for everyone, but um, you know, would I want it? Like, if you know, what's the alternative? I think that like, all this money, surely they should find a better alternative. You can't say that's the best they they can do. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There should be a way. Of all this modern science, the NFL football seems to be so late with technology. The NFL have better data and better is, and and it's still as fast as they get it. Do you know what I mean? I don't think NFL so slow with all the timeouts they have for the commercials but technology wise it's it's fast they see it there and then and football seems to be a little bit dated and a bit slow with it speaking of dated and a little bit slow i want to talk about chelsea of 2024 uh hasn't really been brilliant so far this season or the last two seasons really um obviously we touched on it before we started recording michael about obviously the difference with where the club's going and from a fan's perspective, there does seem to be a little bit of an uncertainty with all due respect, pretty much of a disconnect between fans and the club at the moment. From an ex-player's point of view and from somebody who I you know, still holds that true true connection with the club, what's your take on Chelsea so far? Um, it's sometimes a difficult watch. Um, may, maybe because I, and I, 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 no, I'm not going to put it down to expectations and 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 what it used to be like. You know, if you're, you're judging it on this sort of error and that sort of error, hmm. um, there's a standard because when you you sign players, you you sign them on the standard of the club. So it's a difficult watch when you see in some of the stuff. And my thing has has always been effort like an energy like and sometimes I, I I just don't see that I just don't see a care um and it's, and it's a hard thing to to point at someone but when you're watching um teams come and 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 outwork like lose but not to be outworked and out hustled and the body language and, and that's what I look at like I look at body language and, and how much effort people like how easy it is to get brushed off the ball and so sometimes it's a difficult watch, and I don't want to be the old grumpy pro just shouting stuff out. Oh my god, like God! And I never say my day because in any generation, like hard work, effort, 
look like you care, look like you want to win, has been the fundamentals of every successful team, regardless. Do you know what I mean? So when I see that, when I see, you know, yeah, there's not, there's a, sometimes you're watching a game and I can see three players in a blue shirt that look like they're making an effort or look like they care. And the token hand clap and we come off and, you know, they're getting, sometimes it looks like they're getting more playing for the club than the club is getting from them playing for the club. It, it's, it's, it looks like it's, it's a one-sided relationship because they're, they're, they're playing with the club's reputation, but then at the same time, they're not doing enough to enhance the club's reputation with performances and efforts. What's your take on Mauricio Pochettino? Um, to be honest with you, in 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 like in the time he's, he's been at the club, like I don't I don't see like now now we can recognise teams for their their style and their patterns, and I watch the games and I, I, I it looks like it's just free playing like just play what you see. There's not like patterns of movement. If he's going here, he's going to be here. If he goes here, he's going to be here. He just looks like he's got the ball. Where's, oh, where's the shirt? Oh, and that's why it just seems, oh, now we go backwards because I didn't see what I did. And everyone's like, oh, you. and it, there doesn't seem to be uh, a way of playing in place. That, that means that if someone comes in, you just play in that role or that role. It just seems to be he comes in, he plays how he plays and he plays how he plays and he plays how he plays and hopefully he, he's got an effort and and I, and I get that there's a lot of players but guys a lot of players if everyone knows this is how we play and if he's standing here you should be here and if he's I don't see there's a, a way of I wouldn't tell you how he, he's set up to play it, it doesn't it doesn't look like and he's been here a while so he must have his own implement in place I remember I did a thing at the big, like I, I did um, for TV, like Malaysian TV, and early on when they played, the, it was at the Forest game, and the word project is like so open, like what kind of like, come on now, like it's like you're talking to a seven year old child, you know, we're going to do it a project, like it's like leave it open, you're not going to tell them a date or when you're going to get, you know what I mean, the surprise, and they go, oh, when the surprise, you'll get, it's like this whole project, like what is it? Like there's no be clear, be concise, give a at least you know, like it's a two year project, it's gonna be this, this and this at the end of it. At least you can see or, or know what's going on. So just to say project and hope everyone's gonna be like, ah, oh, fine then, no worries, you're just doing a project. We'll just sit back and wait for you to give us the next update. It seemed a little bit like flaky and you know, everyone one thing people don't want to be doing is spoken to like they're stupid. Like we 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 do know a little bit of stuff. We don't know the ins and outs what you're doing, but we do know a little bit of stuff. So this whole project, what is it? Because you don't see the project as a way of pattern of play. You don't see it in a, as a as a pattern of how how you play. You just don't it's a bit vague, if I'm honest. It's a bit vague and so again I'll go down to it's a tough watch because I just look in at like I wouldn't mind if it's eleven just players just going for it and like we're not great pattern of play, but tell you what, at least we're tough and hard to beat. Bit soft in the belly and easy to beat and you know, and yeah, so it's it's a bit yeah, it's a bit difficult. Last question, Michael. How do you look back on your time at Chelsea Football Club? With joy, with pride. Um I'm part of 
a great club. I'm forever etched in the history of the club. Um, you know, I'm part of trophy winning teams, played with legends, icons. Um, people uh, still mention me and when I go around there, the love I get. So it's pride, it's joy. You know, it, for me, from like humble beginnings, North London to be part of a huge... Listen, don't get me wrong. The club has taken on another level that, that the association gets even bigger. But like, you know, I played my part in the club doing its thing, um, played its role. Um, so forever, I'm just happy to be part of it, um, if I'm honest. Well, Michael, it's been an honour to have you on the Blue Day podcast today. Thank you very much for your time. I Thank you. I massively appreciate it. It's been well worth the wait. Don't worry. And Thank you. It'll be great to see you back at the bridge as well quite soon. Yes, thank you very much. I will be. Brilliant. You take no care. Worries. See you later.